0: very contentious subjects. These are things that people don't like to talk about, people don't want to think about. They'd rather talk about anything but these two things. And uh, the thing that you need to know is that these two things I want to talk to you about today are things that Jesus says go, in fact, hand in hand. It has provoked heated and angry debates and I'll tell you this: uh, people just uh, just don't like it. It's caused discomfort for some, but not for all. These two things are are things that people will would rather not hear about. They don't want to talk about it. They especially don't like the pastor talking about these two things. At the core of Jesus' teaching, however, we find these two subjects. And some would would argue that these two things are the things that Jesus spoke about most often. Jesus, in fact, would suggest to us or tell us that it is impossible to follow him if we ignore these two things. These two things I want to talk to you about today, are you ready for this? Death and money, your eternity and giving. These are almost like swear words. People don't want to hear about it. And yet we read in the Scripture, in what we call the Sermon on the Mount preached by Jesus, we read very, very clear, very specific, very definite teaching on these two subjects. I'd like us to look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 20 to 21. And if you uh, would indulge me and read this with me, I'd appreciate it so much. Jesus says, Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be." Matthew six twenty to 21. Now these, these verses really are, in uh, my opinion, and many pastors and scholars, theologians would agree with me, this really is fundamental to the Christian faith. You really, really cannot follow Jesus Christ and ignore these verses. These verses call us to live outside of the ordinary, outside of the natural. In fact, to live these two verses out, you need to do this by faith. You need supernatural help. You need supernatural guidance. You need the Spirit of God to help you do this. Now, The fact of the matter is, is that for many of us, we do struggle when it comes to the subject of death and dying, and we come to the subject of money and giving. And yet in these verses, Jesus tells us clearly how to live in this life in preparation for the next. And so we're going to talk this morning about eternity, about your eternity, about your death. Uh, I know it's kind of a morbid subject. but it's something that, uh, like it or not, every one of us here is going to experience at some time or another. Everybody knows that, right? I, I hope there's nobody here that for this is the first time you heard about this. Uh, I, I hate to shock you in this manner, but you are going to die. And uh, and for some of us, that's a very scary thought. And for some of you, you just feel like getting out of the service right now because you don't want to hear about it. But look, don't, just relax. Don't go anywhere. Uh, I think I've got some good news for you on this account. The other thing again, which is a very difficult subject for some people to hear about, is the subject of giving. Let's talk, first of all, about this idea of eternity. Back a few years ago, there was an author by the name of Stephen Covey. He wrote a book called The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. And in this book, he outlines the seven habits that successful people live by. Uh, I, don't, I haven't got time to talk about all seven habits, but I want to talk about the second habit, one of these habits, the second habit, and it's called begin with the end in mind. Now, before I go any further, let me just say this. This book has such a huge impact on North America and then eventually the world that there were over 25 million copies of the book sold. It was uh, absolutely one of the best sellers of all time, Uh, There were some 15 million audio books purchased, so those of you who don't read could actually sit and listen to the whole book. The, The book was actually translated into some 38 languages. Well, you're going to see why in just a moment. In fact, Bill Clinton, who when he was president, he was so struck by this book that he invited Stephen Covey to come to Camp David so that the two of them could have a retreat together and that he could advise President Clinton on how best to incorporate those seven habits into his administration. Well, we're not going to talk about how effective that was or not. uh, But let me just say this. The basic premise or the basic idea is... When you live your life, what you need to do is you need to think about what the end of your life will look like, and then go back from there. In other words, think of how you want your life to look when, you're, when your time is done. Or another way to put it is this, what will people say about you at your funeral? My uncle said, uh, at my funeral, I hope someone says, look, he's moving. <laughs> And if, if they can't say that, what would be the other thing that they'll say? Will they talk about how much they're going to miss you and what a huge impact you made on their life? What will people say about you? Are they going to miss you? And is it going to matter? Does your, does your life really matter? Is it really making a difference in the lives of the people around you? You see, this whole weekend... This raising funds for Costa Rica, sending 20, I think, almost 20 kids off to Costa Rica and another team of seven off to Burundi, and raising $50,000 so that we can build an orphanage and, uh, and build a school and a clinic. This is all about living a significant life. And the last few weeks we talked about our, our, our need for something significant, for something that's important, for something that's bigger than us. You ever ask yourself the question, why do you have this need for significance? I'll tell you why. Because you and I were created in the image of God. You and I were created to do great things and to be great. For some of us, we think, well, you know, being a hero and doing great things is just for the select few. But I got news for you. Everybody who is a follower of Jesus Christ, everyone who's put his faith or her faith in Jesus Christ, is called to be a hero. You're called to be great. Look at that person beside you. Don't they look like a hero? Go ahead. Would you, would you say that was a hero sitting beside you? Is that a hero or a zero? <laughs> don't 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 tell, don't say, don't say anything. Don't say anything. You and I are created to be heroes, to do great things in the power of God. Now, here's what you and I need to understand: is that what you and I do now will count for eternity. Or not? Being in the ministry all these years, I've done a lot of funerals. And I can tell you, there's some funerals that I've done where it's been just a magnificent uh, magnificent celebration of that person's life and the the wonderful things they did. And, And you really feel the loss of that person not being with us anymore. And you know that their lives have really counted, that they've done great and significant things. On the other hand, there's some some funerals that I have to do, which are really very sad. Uh, I'm thinking of one where Gloria and I, it was in the middle of winter, and this person just basically just existed, did nothing for anybody or anyone else. And so it was just Gloria and me and just a few others. There there we are standing in the middle of the Brookside Cemetery, lowering this body into the ground, and nobody there, and, and nobody shedding a tear. And I'm going to say that that probably, for me, is the image that comes to my mind when I think of somebody who lives an insignificant life. Now, I'm not judging. I'm not condemning. I'm not trying to put anybody down. I'm not trying to, 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 to speak ill of, the, of the, those who passed away. But I bring this up to, to cause you to think deeply about how you're living your life and what your eternity is going to look like. Because Jesus makes it clear to us That we definitely need to live with our minds set on eternity. Jesus says, store your treasures in heaven. Another word for heaven would be eternity. Store your treasure in eternity where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Now, some of us here today would say, yes, I've been a Christian for many years. I love the Lord. I want to serve Him. I care about God. Okay, but here's here's my question to you, and and it's this. Where's your your heart? Because wherever your heart is, that's where your treasure is. If you care about making a difference in people's lives, if you care about pleasing Jesus, if you care about, about... leaving a legacy behind, doing something great, then I, I know where your heart is. But if you're living for yourself, and if every dollar you spend, it's for you, if you're unwilling to share and to give and make a difference in the lives of others, then I also know where your treasure is, and I know where your heart is. And it's definitely not with God. So is your heart with God today, or is it with you? Is your is your treasure you Or is your treasure in heaven? You see, someday, you and I are going to die. And someday, people are going to say words about us at our funeral. Now, there are some people who know full well that there won't be much said. So they don't don't even bother having a funeral service. They have nothing. They die. The the instructions in the will is there'll be no service. There'll be nothing. When I'm dead, I'm gone, that's the end. Book is closed. Can I tell you something? There's a reason why, through the centuries, we have funeral services, why we have memorial services, why we have celebrations. And it's because we understand the great intrinsic worth of the human being. You and I were created in the image of God, and you and I were created to do significant things. And the idea of a service is to celebrate the great things that you've done while you live this life. That's why we have these services. Because, listen, folks, whether you know it or not, when God created you, he created you different from all the other creatures. You were created in his image. You were created to do the things that he does. He loves, he cares, he shares, he gives, he creates. He's our Father in heaven is completely and totally other oriented and that's what god's called you and me to to be completely and totally other oriented one young man in there in the in the video i don't know if you recall that he just said well there's no eternity then we just my plans are the most important thing and it doesn't matter how i live well, it's true. If you don't believe in eternity, if you don't believe that there's something more than this life, then it doesn't really matter how you live. You can live as you please. But if you understand that, it, that in the heart of each of us is eternity, then it's gonna, it should drastically change how you live your life and drastically change the way you make decisions. Look at Solomon, who is the wisest man who ever lived. Look what he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. Solomon says this about God. He says, God has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. You know, the interesting thing is um, many of the missionaries who went out in the past uh, couple centuries... They write in their journals, they write reports about their missionary work. And here's what they discover when they go to these different, different countries, these different cultures, these different, to visit these different uh, tribes. He says, all these people all talk about what happens after they die. And they don't really know. So when the missionary comes along and says, look, I can tell you what the Bible says. I can tell you what happens after you die. Well, of course, they want to hear about it. They're extremely intrigued and interested to know what happens after we die. In fact, if you study, do a, a, a study of anthropology, the study of human, humankind, and go back into history, you'll find a time and time and again in every culture that people know there's got to be more. When I was a young boy, I remember my grandfather talking about how short life is. Grandpa lived till he was 96. I thought, man, that's a long, long life. But here in his, in his 70s and 80s, he's talking about how short life is, and it just goes like that. When you're, when you're a kid, you don't know that. You don't realize that. Once you get to be a little older, you get to be my age, you know, 30 plus, <laughs> you begin to say, wow, Grandpa was right. Time just flies. And you quickly realize that, in fact, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. We sense it. As Solomon says, it's in the human heart. We know there's more to this life than just this. The question is this. Are you living in light of eternity? Are you living as people who know that there's more to come? God created us with this awareness of something more than just this life. And for those of us who put our faith in Jesus Christ... We've come to the place now where death is, is not a problem. I remember my grandmother, probably in her late seventies, early eighties. I remember her saying, "You know, Alan, I'm I'm just ready to go home. I'm just I'm just done with this life. I've had a good life, uh, but I'm done. I, I want to go home. I, that's just something that was very common for her to say. That never did I ever talk about Her, her being af- I never heard her talk about being afraid to die and afraid of death. Talking about going to see her mother and, and going to see her son Jack, who passed on, uh, went before. He was a missionary to Africa, coincidentally. Remember talking about about the glorious reunion in heaven it was not a, it was not a problem for her, and she'd been faithful faithful to serve her God and and to serve her children, and to serve her church. What about you? Are you afraid? If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you've got nothing to be afraid of. Well, my grandmother not afraid to die, ready to see her Lord. My grandfather, same thing. That's my dad's parents, same thing. Not afraid, looking forward to that glorious reunion. Now, the next generation. Some of you may or may not know, my dad just recently had surgery, and uh, it was some cancer that was cut out. And I, before we went in for the surgery, I said, "How do you feel? what, What are you thinking?" He said, Alan, it's a win-win situation. Whatever happens, it's a win-win situation. And I just felt a, just a, a shiver of warmth go through me when he said that. Because, to, as Paul says, to live as Christ, to die is gain. And he's been faithful. He's been a wonderful father, done excellent, has served me, and invested so much in me and made such a huge difference in my life. And I can say, to God be the glory. That in my dad, there's, there's a great man who's been faithful to God. has nothing, nothing to fear, nothing to be afraid of when it comes to eternity. Why? Well, put that verse back for a moment, please. Because of this. Because of storing up treasures in heaven. Where moth and rust and, and thieves can't get at it. You know, I don't know if anybody here has ever been attacked by moths. I haven't. Um, well, sort of. If you've ever been camping and if, you're at the, if you go to the, to the loo and, you know, if there's a, if there's a, a light there, then you're, you know, you're going to be surrounded by moths, but they, they can't hurt you too much. Apparently they eat clothes, or they used to. I don't know if they eat the clothes we make nowadays because I don't think, I think it's all man-made stuff. But definitely I have experienced rust. I have had cars rust out. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody remember the Dodge, Dodge cars? Dodge, Dodge, Chrysler? Remember those? Anybody ever experienced robbers? One day, one day we left our garage door open. I left the garage door open, okay. Um, I just went in the house for a minute, and some kid... I know it was a kid. Some kid was driving by on his bike because he left his bike behind. He came into our garage and he stole the bike that was hanging on a hook from the ceiling in my garage behind a bunch of boxes. How that kid got in there and got that bike down, I don't know. But somehow he got Nicholas's 300 and something something bike off the wall and he was good enough to leave behind his old bike. Which I think we sent to Chihuahua. <laughs> um, but not only did he get Nick's bike, but he also ruffled, he just rummaged through my car and he actually, I had a bottle of clone in there I just bought. He stole that too. So somewhere around our neighborhood, there's a kid that smells really good driving Nicholas's bike. <laughs> <laughs> and it hasn't just happened once, my friends. It has happened. T- every time we bought a new bike, stolen. And anybody know what I'm talking about? Every time. We bought cheap bikes from Costco. We bought more expensive ones for the better stores. Every single one of them stolen. And it's frustrating, and it's aggravating, and there's nothing you can do about it, and you, 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 know, you, you decry the, the injustice of it all. Well, guess what, folks? That's life on this earth. Moth and rust and thieves. And, you know, let's, let's add a few things to that. The government, taxes, uh, <laughs> and there's a few other things. Frustration, frustration. Listen, how do we rise above this so that we can experience contentment and joy in this life? I'll tell you, there's an easy answer to that, and that's to do what Jesus says. Stop living your life for yourself. Start living your life for God and for the glory of God. Start laying up for yourself treasures in heaven. Because here's the thing. You can't take anything with you to heaven but you can send it ahead. After the first service this morning, Don Davidson came to me and said, uh, Pastor Allen, did you ever hear about the guy that, when he arrived to have, arrived in heaven, uh, he was greeted by St. Peter, and he saw all these fantastic mansions, but, but then Peter showed him his house, and it was just like a little stick shack. And the guy says, hey, how come everybody else gets a mansion? All I get is a stick shack. He said, "Well, St. Peter said, well, that's all that you sent ahead. We did the best we could with what you sent ahead. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. (laughs) But I do know this. Is that your life takes on incredible significance. And eternity is not a frightening or scary thing for you if you begin to recognize that you are, are created for eternity. What is the opposite of eternity? Temporal. Do it temporal, where we get the word temporal from? Temporary. I can tell you right now, you and I who've been created in the image of God, we are not created as temporary beings. We are created as eternal beings. And God's great desire is that you and I would dwell with Him forever and forever. My question to you today is this Are you on board with what God wants to do? Are you on board with doing what God wants you to do? Well, here's the thing. Here's how you're going to enjoy your eternity. Here's how you're not going to be afraid of your eternity. How is, here's how, how you're not going to be afraid of your death. It's by making sure that you're living your life to matter now. Live your life so that it counts now. If, God forbid, something should happen to you, you should die today and your funeral was in a week, what, what would people say about you? There's a wonderful verse in Psalm, Psalm 116. Where it says, uh, precious, costly, in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. I want to tell you something today. God has called you to make a difference in this broken and hurting world. And some people say, how do I even know that there is a God? I'll tell you how you know there is a God. It's because God raises up his own people who will become his hands and his feet. And go and bring his love to broken and hurting people. We're going into Burundi. Thank God for that. Thank God for the vision that God put in, in Dennis' heart. We're going into Burundi to make a difference to these kids who wonder, is there a God? And suddenly there's these people from Canada who show up with medicine and food and schooling and education and, and nets to protect them against malaria. And they discover that, yes, there is a God who is very practical and who's got a whole army of people who are ready to show up for duty. If you should die, what will people say about you? Will the orphans in Africa miss you? Will your own children miss you? Will your workmates or your neighbors miss you? Will will it really matter? Jesus says, store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust and thieves can't get at it. We had a big, long meeting on Saturday. Just before the banquet, we we're discussing this new property that we want to get and discussing what's the next steps. And I said to Sergio, man, I just hope that nothing happens to you. If you drop dead, we're in big trouble. And then I said the same thing to Dennis. I said, Dennis, I think I'm gonna, we're going to take out an a insurance policy on you in case something happens to you, because what will happen if you're, if you're sim- suddenly out of commission? God forbid. Well, let me throw that question at you. What happens if you're out a commission? Will you leave a big hole? Will you leave a vacuum? Will, there be, will you be missed? You and I were created in the image of God to live a significant life, to make a difference in this world. Now, we're not all called to do the same thing. We're all called to do different things, but we're all called to do something significant, to make a difference. The problem with so many of us is this. We live for ourselves. I just thank God that, that the majority of the people of this church understand what it is that we're trying to do. When we have a missions banquet, it's not about eating food. It's about asking everybody to at least make one donation in the course of 365 days. One donation in the course of the year. And most people say, "Yeah, well, sign up for that. I can do that. It's just 60 and a half cents a day. I can, I can put my pennies together every day to, so that I'm ready to go for that mission's experience. Some people, however, don't get it, and they get angry. How dare you ask me for 60 dollars to come and eat? Listen, if you're going to pay 60 dollars for a supper, you're stupid. It's not what this is about. This is about coming to hear about the great plans. And we just happen to decide what we're going to eat together to celebrate the great things that God wants to do, the great things of great significance that are going to last for eternity. That's what this is about. And this is why we ask. I know some people don't like it, but they think, well, every time I go to church, they're asking for money. Look at them. (laughs) Understand. That to be a follower of Jesus Christ means that you buy into the agenda of heaven. The agenda of heaven is simple. Be agents of the kingdom. Bring the kingdom forward. Advance the kingdom. Bring the love of Jesus Christ to broken and hurting people. That's what this church is about. This is what we stand for. And this is why we ask... You heard me say this before, that Jewish synagogue on Wellington with the big sign on the front lawn. We're proud to ask and we're proud to give. I love that because that encapsulates so well what Jesus is all about. Store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust and thieves can't get at it. Some of you said, well, I can't afford it. Well, listen to me. Can I just say this to you? Most of us who give can't afford it. But what we do is we make a sacrifice. What we do is we set for ourselves a priority. And we say giving must absolutely be front and center of who and what we are. It must be the most important thing. Giving is not an option. Giving is, is sort of, it's not one of those electives, well, you can decide to do that or to decide to do something else. No, Jesus calls us to give, to share. Because why? It's the best expression of who he is. Store up treasure in heaven where moth and rust and thieves can't get at it. One of the sacrifices that I've made is I quit uh, drinking Tim Hortons coffee, quit going to Tim Hortons for a coffee. How many, how many hundreds of dollars can you spend in the course of a year if you're going to buy a coffee every day at Tim Hortons? Of course, it depends on the size. It depends whether you get a donut with it or not. It's not long before you... I mean, you could easily spend five, $600, $1,000 a year. Now, can I just ask you a question? If you would willingly and gladly spend $1,000 on yourself at Tim Hortons for the course of the year, couldn't you give just a, a little bit to those in Africa who have absolutely nothing? I was astounded when Nancy told me that just selling one of those little bracelets made by the, by these widows in Zambia, that just one of those bracelets, $7 from the sale of that bracelet, would feed a child for a week. And I thought to myself, God, we, we've got we've to understand what it means to make a sacrifice for the sake of others. After the first service, someone felt so sorry for me, um, for the, the great sacrifice I made, not going to Tim Hortons anymore, that they came. And give me Tim Horton's card. <laughs> so if anybody feels so inclined, you be line up after the service and give me your Tim Horton card. Uh, no, what I'll do is I'll send this card to Africa. Uh, listen, one of, the things, one, of the great, one of the greatest things my father ever taught me, and I just thank God for this, is he taught me at an early age to give. One of the very first things he said, you've got to tithe. You've got to give 10% of whatever you earn. And that's what I began to do, and that's what we've done with our kids. Another story about the father who was trying to teach his daughter to be a giver, and so he said, "Here, here's two dollars." Now, this was the day when dollars were, were paper. Anybody remember those days? So many years ago, dollars were bills, paper bills. So he gave the little girl two dollar bills, and she says, "He said, I want you to give one to God, but one in church, and one you can spend on yourself." So, was, oh, she was delighted. She, she had a dollar for herself and a dollar to give to God. So she, on her way out the door, running to church, she, she tripped and dropped her dollar bills, and then one of them just took off, flew away in the wind. And she said, well, God, there goes your dollar bill. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some of us have got that mentality, don't we? It's me first. If you really understand the essence of the Christian faith, then you understand it's not about you first. It's about the kingdom of God first. It's about others first. Some of us have made huge sacrifices so that we can give because it's the most important thing in the world. Do you know that the way you uh, spend your eternity will depend on how you spend this life. We live in a country... This is why we keep bringing people over to Burundi and Costa Rica, because it is is not just an opportunity to serve, it's an education that changes your life forever. We live in such, such wealth and luxury. Even the poorest of the poor of us are extremely wealthy compared to what we've seen in Burundi. We have such wealth here. And, and here's what you need to understand. Again, one of the core teachings of the church, to whom much is given, much is required. So do you think that you were born here in Canada, and it's like, oh, thank God, what a lucky stroke this was. I was born in Canada into, into a wealthy land. No. You can give God thanks for the blessing here, but understand this, to whom much is given, much is required. Some of you have immigrated from from very poor countries, and you've come to this land of plenty. To whom much is given, much is required. You don't have the right to do with your finances, your resources, with any way you want. God's called you to make a difference in this world. You're here in this country because God has got a special work for you to do, and that's very simply this to share out of your abundance with those who have nothing. That's why this church gets on board with people like Sergio Bersaglio and with Dennis Weed and Costa Rica and Zambia. That's where we do it. Not just because it's fun to go on a trip. I can tell you, I do not want to go to Africa. I, don't want to, I certainly don't want to go to Manila after breaking my legs. Why do, we go? Why do I go? Because it's a calling, and God's called me to store up my treasure in heaven. Is your life significant? Are you doing anything significant with your life? Is your life really matter? Or are you just living for yourself, just looking for, you know, 55-plus, just waiting to, to get my cheap meals at Perkins and, uh, and collect my, my pension and just, and just living in Florida? How many people I've heard say, you know, when, I, when, I, when I'm not so busy and I retire a little bit, that's when I'll really get involved and really give and share. But then by the time you get to that age, you've got arthritis, you're too tired, you can't do anything. Well, and then what, what do we hear? Well, let the younger generation do it, right? Listen to me. The time to start giving, the time to start sharing is now, here, now. And I can say for myself, this is a way of life for me. It's a lifestyle for me. And I thank God for the people in my life that helped me with that. I had no idea today that Mrs. Zilke was going to be here. But she was my Sunday school superintendent when I was just a small boy in the old Calvary Temple in the basement. That gives you a bit of a clue about how old I am and how old she is. <laughs> 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 that was mean, wasn't it? Uh, but she, in the, listen to this. I rem- remember it like it was yesterday. I can still see it. Uh, she, was, she was talking about these children that need to be sponsored. And uh, I think, I I don't remember all the details, but I do remember this, is that the idea is that the the kids needed to be sponsored. And I don't even know if if you even remember this, but I went to her after and I said, I want to sponsor that kid. And I I was just a kid myself, probably about 10 or 11 years old. And she said, well, I was was thinking more of a Sunday school class, a whole class and the teacher sponsoring this child. But I said, I'd like to sponsor that child, and she looked at me like, how's that going to happen? But I had a paper route, and I, had a, I could make enough to pay for that child. And I just thank God that Mrs. Zilke understood that this was a, this was a golden moment for Alan Duncalf to learn a lesson that would last with him forever, and she let me sponsor that child. Now, I think at the end, my parents ended up helping me with most of it. But listen to this. My life was transformed because now I understood that life was not about Alan Duncalf, but about the poor, the needy, the broken, and that I had the opportunity and the privilege and the honor to make a difference in somebody else's life. I can tell you there's nothing more significant, nothing more powerful in the life of a 10-year-old than the opportunity to give and to share. In fact, I think sometimes it's easier for kids than it is for adults. I love it. I love Nicholas when he was little. We, he had some money, and uh, I think it was Nicholas or, or Jesse. And we asked him, "Where's that money?" He said, "Well, I wasted it." I said, "Well, what'd you do with it?" He said, "I put it in the offering plate." <laughs> 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 well, you know what? That's, that's that really is actually a really good way of putting it. Because what is it? What are we talking about? We're talking about sacrifice. I wasted it. I gave it to God. I thank God that my kids have learned the importance of giving, of sharing. Last night when everybody was cleaning up, Gloria and I had to go home and get ready for another event that's happening tonight. But my kids stayed behind, all three of them, and they were among the last ones out. to Clean up, do whatever needed to be done. And I say, God, thank you that my kids have learned to do significant things when they're still in their teens and in young adulthood. Can I ask you the question today? Is your life making a difference? Are you living a significant life? Will you be missed when you're gone? Because here's what you need to know, is that everybody here has got the capacity to be a hero in Jesus' name. Are you a hero? Or are you a zero? Last night, the last, the last two nights, we brought in a lot of money. And some people think, well, we'll let the rich people do it. Well, I can tell you, we could never have reached $50,000 this weekend if it wasn't for just average people like me and you, willing to sign up and give what we can. But we also had some wealthy business people here, quite a number actually over the two nights, that signed up to give generously. I know a number of those business people uh, some are here for the first time, and I know their story. And here's, here's what they will tell you. They will say this. I want God to bless my business. I want, I want to know the blessing of God in my life. And so I want to make sure that the very first thing that I do is to honor God by making a difference in the lives of other people. I want to give. And my question uh, was this. So do you give after you get or do you give and then what, how does it work for you in your business? And uh, this one person said, I, I set a goal and I asked God, God, what do you want me to give? And then I say, God, give me the grace, give me the strength, give me the wisdom, give me what I need to help me do the best that I can in my business so that I can reach this goal. I thought of myself, I thought of a, a of a really interesting analogy, of the man who bought a wood burning stove, and basically was sitting in front of that wood burning stove and really cursing it because it wasn't giving him any heat. And his wife said, "What's the matter with you? You're crazy." He says, "I I." I bought this stove to keep me warm. And the wife said, you can't get heat out of that stove unless you put some wood in it. He said, I'm not putting wood into that stove until it starts giving me some heat. (laughs) Some of us have the same approach to God. I'm not giving anything to God until he gives to me first. Folks, it's not how it works. The life that God's calling us to is a life of faith whereby you and I Take that step of faith, we put the wood in that stove, and then let and then and then let the stove do its thing. And I can tell you this, and I this is a money back guarantee for everybody here today. I'll give you your money back if it's not true is when you sign up to do what God calls you to do, when you take that step of faith, when you chop that wood and put it into the stove, I guarantee you that once you start the fire and once you let that wood start to burn, you will be warm and you will be well taken care of. And that's the way it is with God. You sign up to give and to share and to do significant things that last for eternity and watch how God will take care of you. And every one of the business people that I, that I talked to yesterday, same story for every one of them. God wants to provide for you. He wants to meet your needs. But what you got to do is understand this, is that you don't just give to get. You give because it's the essence of who God is. And as Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. You give because you know that this is the way to true happiness and significance. Are you willing to do that? Then you're going to have a great life. If, you're, if you refuse to give, if you refuse to share, then, my friends, I'm sorry. But you just won't be missed. And that is the sad reality. When, I, uh, when my time on this earth is done, my prayer, my, 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 my prayer is that I will be missed. My prayer is that my life will have made a difference and that it will count for eternity. Because here's what I know. Someday I'm going to stand before Jesus and he's going to ask me to give an account. What did I do with what he entrusted to me? And here's what I want to hear. I want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. What's Jesus going to say to you? What's Jesus going to say to you? Let's pray. Can you stand with me, please? Lord, your word says that he who gives to the poor lends to God. You, God, will never owe anything to any man or woman. Anyone who is faithful in sharing and giving out of their abundance, God, you will bless them richly for that. That's a promise in your word. You will meet their need. But God, you've called us to give so that our lives would have significance, so that our lives would count for eternity. And some of us have really struggled with that today. and It's been a, a, a long-time struggle, and we're, we're afraid to take that step of faith. But the, the fact of the matter is, is that, according to your word, it is impossible to please you without faith. And so, God, today I pray that you would help each one here step out in faith and do that difficult thing to give, to store up treasures in heaven where moth and rust and robbers can't get at it. Thank you, Father, for the teaching from your Word that tells us how to truly be happy in this life. And so, God, we thank you right now that you've given us the potential to be true heroes. We can make people's lives better just by sharing. By giving. And we pray that in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me. Amen. Tell that person beside you, you're a hero. Don't call them a zero. <laughs>